I want to welcome you this morning uh, to, our, to our service. Uh, for some of you, I'm sure it's quite easy. You log on, uh, you sit down, you listen, have a time of worship, and that's uh, a blessing to you. For some, it's uh, harder. Uh, you push through. Uh, it's not as easy for you to log on for different reasons, but you're here this morning. And I want, I want to praise the Lord that you're here this morning. And I pray that your souls this morning are refreshed, uh, renewed, and that you, are, you find peace with God, your, your creator. Um, we live in a world at the moment, particularly in our state here, we live in a world at the moment where it is so easy to lose motivation. And that might not mean motivation all the time. It might even just be days or moments where you feel quite flat as to what's just going on around you. It's such an easy time to feel like that, to look at the circumstances and just feel unmotivated. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, that there's a lot of reasons to stay motivated and that the Lord uh, wants to be able to be the very one who keeps us motivated through this time. But these restrictions, though they may be restrictions, there's still a lot of things, thank God, that we're able to do. You know, Though they be restrictions, we're still, we can still read his word. Uh, we can still fellowship. We can still witness. We can still believe. We can still do the things that the Lord is requiring of us. So be encouraged. Be encouraged to stay connected. Be encouraged to use this opportunity to learn contentment. Isn't that an amazing word? To learn contentment. To be able to be in a place, you know, like the, the Apostle Paul said, I've learned that if I've got a lot or I've got nothing at all, I've learned to be content. That is a remarkable, liberating place to be. And it's a place of faith. It's a place of faith to be able to say, God, your provider, that you are the provider. And though you may think your circumstances because of COVID are worse than everyone else's, and maybe on a practical level they are, there's some degree of things are harder than for other people, I get that. There's a God who still provides. And there's a God who wants to provide for you the things that are internal, a place of contentment. So can I encourage you, please stay connected. This is not something you can do alone. Just like life and church and fellowship, we don't do life on our own. God hasn't designed us to do life on our own. God has designed us to do life together, to do this Christian walk together. So I encourage you to stay connected, even though sometimes the temptation is to stay away and learn the beauty of contentment. Come to a place where you can find contentment in Christ a peace in Christ, knowing that God himself is still the provider. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that the Lord continues to provide for you through, through the word this morning and what, I'm, what I want to share with you. Uh, and I pray that you're encouraged. You're encouraged to stay connected. I pray that you're encouraged that the Lord is a provider that gives us a state of contentment in our hearts. That's what's liberating. That's what's liberating, a contentment in our hearts. So let me pray for us and ask the Lord's blessing on, um, on our word this morning. Father God, I thank you. I thank you so much that you are, you are the provider. You see us, Lord God. You see our situation, Lord God. And you're able to continue to do what needs to be done in order that we may have what we need to have because you love us, Lord God. You love us. I pray this morning that you would open up and help those who are listening this morning to open up their hearts and to receive the word that you have for them. I pray, Lord God, they're able to stay connected, Lord God, and have a sense of contentment, knowing that you are the great provider. Keep them motivated, Lord God. Keep them motivated. 
And Father, I pray for those families, especially that are really struggling in some way, whether they be financial or whether they be um, health related, Father. You know what's going on in people's families. I pray that you continue to strengthen them, help them and bring great healing in their circumstances. I pray for our leaders, Lord God, in this state, that you would continue to, Lord, work in their situation, work in their lives, Lord God, and help them that they may bring about good things for us, good things, Lord God, and things that ultimately uh, will be aligned with your will. So, Father, I pray. I pray that you would continue to work in this morning and all that is said and done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was timely that we sang the song this morning, Our God Reigns, or um, our, God is an, our God is an Awesome God. And as I was reflecting on that song, Our God Reigns, or He Reigns, and He Reigns Forever, which reigns are we talking about? You know, which reigns are we referring to? The God reigns, He reigns. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting phrase because it, was, it was made me reflect on what I want to share with you this morning. Now, of course, the song is talking about the reign where God is actually able to take the leadership and rule in the circumstance, like he reigns. He's like the leader, the ruler of the situation. Yeah? But, but the word, we also play on the word, and also he reigns. He makes it to reign. You know, the rain that falls from the sky. Now, they're spelt differently, of course, but, but the, same, the same sound word. And so God reigns. And so this morning, it's, it's, it's timely because, because I, I want to share something that demonstrates both. I want to share something that demonstrates that God, he reigns, he's Lord, he's ruler, he's the God, he's king, and yet he's the God who sends the rain. He's the God that sends the rain. And, and I felt it, I couldn't sort of move on yet from the prophet Elijah because we started looking at the prophet Elijah a couple of weeks ago and I just felt unsettled moving on. I didn't feel like we'd, I, I, that we had covered enough that I wanted to cover with the prophet Elijah. So I want to continue with this man of faith. I want to continue sharing with you this man of faith in a time and in a circumstance where all around him, there were circumstances that were fighting against him. And, 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 and no different or very similar to our life today, that we have environmentally even circumstances that are fighting against us. And here is this man, a voice of truth. Not a man, I think, that found it easy, but a man that had his own struggles but a man who continued to persistently be a voice of truth. And I think, I believe God was working in his faith and also in the faith of everyone around him. So I want to continue to speak about the prophet Elijah and what went on after our story last time and we continue to look at how this man um, uh, was a vessel, the vessel of a God who reigns and who sent rain on, on this earth. And I pray you know, pray that what happens is our faith is restored. I pray that what happens, our faith is refreshed, that there is healing in our, in our faith. Here we talk about a man, a man who had faith, yes, and a man who God used to, to heal the faith of others. If we go to 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, and um, we're going to just go back a couple of steps as a bit of a refresher as to what happened prior to this. But you can keep your Bibles open to 1 Kings 18 for now because the couple of verses that we're going to look at are just, are, just prior, are just prior to 18. And I know that our circumstances are all very different at the moment. 
you know, that's one of the things I, I know in life is that I can't say this is everyone's circumstance. You know, we're all going to go through different circumstances and what, what, how God wants to speak to you today is going to be to some extent uh, through the lens of what you're experiencing at the moment. But I want to ask you something and I want you to reflect on this for a moment. Are your struggles and are your sufferings and are your trials, are they circumstantial or are they self-inflicted? I want you just to reflect on that for a moment. Are the struggles and the trials of life, because for me to say no one has a trial in life, you know, I, I'm a fool to think no one, no one has a trial at the moment that's listening to me. But are your trials and struggles and pains in life, are they circumstantial or are they self-inflicted? Meaning, are they situations where out of your control, you can't, you, you didn't ask for it. You didn't want to. You didn't invite it. It might have been. It might. It may be ill health. It may be a financial situation. It may be something that you haven't necessarily gone and sought after, but it's come about. Maybe it's a family member, a loved one. That something's happened to them, spiritually or physically. Something that's gone on. You haven't asked for this. Are they circumstantial, or are they self-inflicted? Are they situations that you, because of your own choices, your own decisions, you've gone about and caused pain to your life and your faith has in some respects been um, impacted because of it? And you need to be honest with yourself. Is your pain and your suffering circumstantial or is it self-inflicted? But here's the good news. Here's the good news. In both situations, in both situations, trust him. In both situations, return and find him. That in both situations, return to the Lord and allow him to bring about a faith and a calmness in this chaos. To bring about a faith, a genuine faith that is restored and healed and mended, that in the chaos of life, you find yourself in a state of calmness. I don't know. I haven't got the answers to everything in life. Whether, they, whether your circumstances are, are circumstantial, whether your experiences are circumstantial, whether they are self-inflicted, I haven't got all your answers, but I know that if you return to the Lord, that you trust him, that you find your faith in him, that if you understand that your warfare is about faith in him, then you're going to find a sense of calmness in this chaos. I share with you what God shares. I share with you uh, the, the word of God. Because there's one thing I'm learning about God through what we're reading and just through life. That God, our Father God, goes to extraordinary lengths to win your heart. That our Father God goes to extraordinary lengths to demonstrate his love. It, it just blows my mind away. And if you could just think with me for a moment on this. That Father God, Father in heaven, will go to whatever length he knows is wise and good and holy and pure. He will go to whatever length, extraordinary lengths, to win the love of his people. We saw it a couple of weeks ago when Elijah walked over 100 kilometers in the heat, in the drought. He walked over 100 kilometers to go and speak to one widow. How do you understand that? How do we comprehend that other than, than God has this incredible, deep, 
passionate love to go to all lengths to win your heart, to win your love. And yet the world spits in his face. The world says, I don't want you, God. God will have his hand in whatever he can have his hand in to draw the hearts of his people back to him, to restore their faith and to find healing in their faith. He will create things around the world, whether, whether God will put his hand to, to, to initiate things or to allow things, even worldwide events. He will do this so he can win the hearts of his people. Now, I'm not saying God's responsible for COVID or anything else like the war, but I know whether God initiates something or whether God is allowing something, God will have his hand in everything possible to win the hearts of his people and the love of his people. So is it any surprise that God is even using this situation that we face ourselves in with this pandemic because he wants to somehow still reach the hearts of his people and have their hearts returned to him and their faith restored in him? How wonderful our God. How wonderful our God to put his hand in whatever is possible to love his people and to show them love. Because God wants to have fellowship with us. And I want to ask you this morning, where are you living? Where are you living? I'm not asking you about your physical address. But I'm asking you about your spiritual address. Where are you living? Where is your spiritual address at the moment? Are you in the zone with God? Are you in the suburb with God? Are you in fellowship with God? Do you have the same postcode as God? Or have you relocated? Have you decided, I've had enough, I've relocated, I've checked out. And, you, and you've stepped out. But you know what? You're, you're smart. You don't go overseas. You go just one more suburb away. Just enough to be a little bit distant. You, you've got the next postcode. But it's not good enough. It's not good enough. You rob yourself of the love of God. Where are you located at the moment? What is your spiritual address? And I pray that this morning, and if the, if, if the message goes through this morning and next week and the week after, however long it needs to be, I pray that your soul is refreshed and you locate, you relocate back to God. Your faith is restored. God's love is the most beautiful thing you can ever experience. And God's love, as we heard sung this morning, God's love never ends. God's love never ends. God's love isn't offensive. It doesn't stink. God's love is a beautiful aroma that when you understand it, you are drawn back to him. You are drawn back to him. Do you guys remember the, um, the cartoon when you were little? Um, I, I remember this cartoon, and you probably remember it too, the Pepe, Pepe Le Pew cartoon. Remember that? The skunk who wanted love. He just wanted love. But he, he, he just went about it all the wrong way. You know, he, he, he was aggressive in his manner. Uh, as a skunk, his odour was offensive. Uh, and so he turned off those <laughs> he tried to love. But God's love's not like that. It's only when you misunderstand God. It's only when you misunderstand God. You see this love in everything else than what it really is for. This beautiful, drawing, refreshing, encouraging, embracing love that only wants your best. And this is the love of God that only wants the best for his people. And he draws them and he calls them into a place he calls home.
It's not an offensive love. And if you choose not to live with God, then you choose to do life on your own. And that is a very dangerous place to be. You choose to do life on your own. And so God is drawing, God is working, God is doing things. Even this morning, if your heart has left God, has drifted from God, maybe you think you know God or you have some respect for God, but deep in your heart, you know you don't live like you love God. I pray this morning that you return. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed of your friends. Don't be embarrassed of your parents. Don't be embarrassed of your children. Come this morning because the most the thing you need to be most concerned about is the state of your heart and knowing the love of God that surpasses all understanding. Don't be embarrassed of anyone. It's your life and your soul that we're talking about here. And return to the Lord in his great love, which is, is, which is far greater than anyone can fathom. There's a song that's uh, it's a beautiful song. It's, it's, it's called Reckless Love. Some of you would be familiar with the song, but I want to just read out something of this song to demonstrate how far that God goes to all lengths, all lengths, extraordinary lengths. And we're going to read in the story today. God goes to all extraordinary lengths to reach the heart of one person. The song goes like this in part of the song. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Or lie, you won't tear down coming after me. This is God. God will go to all lengths that the heart of his people can be restored. Where are you living today? Where are you living today? Is it time today to relocate? Come back to the Lord. Allow him to refresh, to restore, and to heal your faith. This is the love of God because nothing is too difficult for God. His love knows no end. When Jesus was speaking about the rich man going into heaven and his disciples questioned it, he said to them, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So this morning, the devil's whispering and saying to you, yeah, but that's not for you. you you're too far. You've relocated way too far. The, the, the capacity for you to return to God, God doesn't even want to know you. You've done your dash. You're Esau who sold his birthright. Whatever, whatever, whatever the, the devil is whispering, if your heart is tugging, if your heart is, is breaking, if your heart is yearning, then my word to you is very simple, return. Whether that is repentance or whether that is a simple return of heart, say, God, I want to believe, return. Our God is an awesome God and he'll go to extraordinary lengths. He'll go to extraordinary lengths to win and restore the love of his people. How good is our God? How good is our God? So Elijah, Elijah is, is, is a man of faith. He's a voice of truth and he's speaking, he's, he's working in a time where there is an extreme drought and the drought has been going on for three, three and a half years. That's a long time for a drought. But it's particularly a long time for God's people to be living in their own spiritual drought. It's particularly a long time for God's people to be realising that they are dry 
they are feeling dry. And not because only dry because there is a drought and there's been no rain for three years, but in their heart of hearts, they are dry. There is a drought going on. There is a drought of joy. There is a drought of fellowship. There is a drought of believing. There is a drought in knowing the peace of God. There is a drought going on. And Elijah, this voice of truth, is reaching out. And God is wanting in particular to use Elijah to reach out to his people. And it's fascinating in this passage how God seems to be particularly interested, not in the prophets of Baal, but in the people of God who have left him. And there's these references to the people of God, to the people of God. And God and Elijah saying, bring all the people of God because God is interested. He'll go to all lengths to demonstrate his love and his power to the people of God. Extraordinary. But you remember that prior to this, Elijah had, um, had remember he got fed by the ravens? And then he walked when, when that kind of stopped and the brook dried up. And, of course, we, I said to you that we know that God could have given him water through the ravens, but he asked Elijah, now walk. Walk over 100 kilometres and go to a widow who's going to provide for you. I think for Elijah's sake, but also for the widow's sake, who wasn't a Jewish woman, she was reached, God was reaching out to her again. God was reaching out to her. But what we didn't read last time, was after the oil and, and, and the flour continued to be provided for her, what we didn't realise that there was a circumstance that then hit the woman after that and her son fell gravely ill. And she says this to Elijah, chapter 17, just, just back a couple of few verses, chapter 17, verse 18. So she said to Elijah, what, I, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? Oh, isn't it amazing? Isn't it, isn't it amazing how we interpret everything through this negativity? How we interpret everything through this, this, this proneness to see that God is wanting to smack and smash and destroy our lives. How this tendency is to see it like this. It's how we're almost bent in this way. And her first thoughts were simple. Her first thoughts was this. What are you doing? Are you bringing my sin to remembrance? Are you exposing who I really am? And now my son is going to die as if like God is looking at her sin and thinks, oh, oh, naughty lady, because you've sinned, I'm going to destroy your son. Rather than, rather than God wanting still to perfect her faith. God still wanting to restore and heal what is lacking in her faith. And though the circumstances were incredibly difficult, and I don't doubt that for a second, God was using the circumstance to bring about not a remembrance of her sin, but rather a restoration of her faith, a healing of her faith. So Elijah uh, took the opportunity and took the boy up from her arms and took him up and, and, and prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, Lord, heal this boy. Laying on this boy, praying, Lord, heal this boy. And the boy was restored, praise the Lord. And then the woman says this, verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. 
And now her faith, if you like, is like complete. It's like the man when Jesus healed him with the, with the eyes and, and he opened his eyes a little bit and he says, what do you see? He says, I, I, I see like men like trees walking. Like he wasn't quite complete yet. Like this woman who, who had experienced the oil and the, and the flower and her faith was somewhat being restored, but it wasn't quite complete. It was like men like trees walking. And now she experiences this because of God's extraordinary love. She experiences the healing of her son and she realizes, yes, now I know you are the truth. God is speaking the truth through you. There is a God and you are the man who's speaking this truth. And I can only imagine what this widow would have become. This widow would have been a light in her town, an example in the town, a bit like the Samaritan woman who, who experienced the love of Jesus and went and told her, her, her neighbourhood and they all came running to Jesus and, and believed, believed as a result of her, well, you know, her commu communicating at least to them and then coming. What a beautiful testimony to be a voice of truth, a refreshing voice of truth. A time of hope when there is despair. A time of calmness when there's chaos. There is calmness because we speak the words of truth. And here the woman understood now that you are the man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So Elijah is on this journey of faith. He's been fed by the ravens. He's been sent to this widow. She's experienced the hand of God twice. And I think, personally, I think it's also strengthened Elijah's faith through the process. And now we're up to the next chapter of his life. The next chapter of life. And remember, it hasn't rained yet. There's still a drought. There's still a drought. But God's timing is perfect. And if your life at the moment, if your struggle at the moment is circumstantial, then the timing of God is perfect. Because I believe the drought did not last a single day more than it needed for God's people to be in a place that they were ready to restore or be returned to God. Because it was all about them. It wasn't about the rain. God could have made it rain in a day. But how long did it need for God's people to wake up? This is my love. You're living in a place of droughts. You are suffering silently, but you are suffering unnecessarily because my love is awaiting you. My love is ready for you. So in chapter 18, verse 1, the Bible says this, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Yeah, there's the third year now of, of no rain. In the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Now, this isn't a, this isn't a simple request. Think about all the dynamics going on here. Think about what's happening in this situation. Firstly, he has to go to Ahab, and Ahab isn't a friend of Elijah. You know, Ahab's no, no fan of Elijah. In fact, uh, Ahab, if my understanding is correct, was on a hunt for Elijah. He wanted to hunt him down and destroy him because in his mind, Elijah was a troublemaker. Really? 
The light is the voice of truth. So he's asking Elijah now to go to Ahab. He's also saying to Elijah, I want you to go and tell him that it's going to rain. Now, he's been experiencing three years of drought. Now Elijah has to believe that God is going to make it rain. He's witnessed the oil and the flour, praise the Lord. He's witnessed the young boy come back to life or have life, praise the Lord. And now he has to believe that God is going to make it rain. This is a man of faith. This is faith. This is a stepping out and believing and doing what God is calling you to do, even though the circumstances seem completely against it. This is the word of God. When we believe the God's word, when we believe the word of God, when all our circumstances are speaking against it and we say, Lord, I'm finding it really, really hard to believe because the circumstances around me are trying to strip me and rob me of everything, but I stay in your word and I resist the unbelief because your word is true. This is where calmness in the chaos occurs, if you like, the eye of the storm. This is where God is working. This is where God is working. So he's asking Elijah to go and present himself to Ahab and I will send rain. I will send rain on the earth. Now, Elijah's experience made news in the New Testament. You know that, yeah? Elijah's experience was so renowned, so famous, that the New Testament writers, led of the Spirit of God, made reference to Elijah. That, that's, that's big stuff. Because once it makes the New Testament, it hits the New Testament church, and the New Testament church is going to be speaking about it. And so this is Elijah now in the New Testament. And so James, the, the, the writer, led of God's Spirit, said this. He said, Elijah was a man, James 5, yeah? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Why would James have to even tell us that? So that we can understand that Elijah wasn't some superman, some man with extraordinary faith that it's like, I can't be like Elijah because Elijah was, whoa, that's Elijah. You know, like people say, that's Jesus. I can't be like Jesus because that's, that's Jesus. And they don't realize that it's, it doesn't, it's not about that's Jesus or that's Elijah. It's about the faith that God is working in you and everything that God is working in you is to become exactly like Jesus, let alone Elijah. So Elijah, with a like nature to ours, what's that nature? Oh, we just spoke about it before. That nature that is so bent in unbelieving, in so bent through negativity, is so bent in saying, you know what, this circumstance is for my destruction. It's so bent to be tempted that everything is a whisper of the devil that says, you know what, this is for your bad. Whatever, whatever the nature is, whatever the, and I'm just, I've just mentioned a few, but whatever, whatever is happening in your life where God, or sorry, where the enemy is trying to convince you that God is somehow out of the picture. But Elijah and that God is not able, God is not able to accomplish what he's willing to do. But Elijah, even with a like nature or a nature like ours, the Bible says, prayed earnestly that it will not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Wow. Can you imagine being responsible for that? <laughs> that's that's got to be a voice of truth. Can you imagine being responsible? People turn around and say, oh, this drought, this drought, why is this drought happening to us? Oh, because so-and-so from All Nations Christian Fellowship, they prayed. They prayed that it wouldn't rain and now it's still not raining. 
Could you imagine the target you become? Could you imagine the, 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 the gossip of the town? Could you imagine the, the hunt after your life? And yet they, people don't understand that a voice of truth, a, a vessel of truth, is only communicating something for their good. And so Elijah prayed and he prayed and for three and a half years it did not rain. And then he says, then the Bible says in James, and, um, and then he prayed again. That's where we're picking it up now. And then he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruits. And I believe that when it says the earth produced its fruit, yes, it's the natural sense. It's the physical sense that the earth obviously was restored to good health. But what it also, I think, is a reference to, or it could be a reference to, is the souls of men. They are, the earth has produced the fruit again because it rained. And you'll see that in the story we're going we're gonna to read. What's interesting is this, and it's not relevant to the, well, actually, it is in some respects, that straight after that little passage about Elijah in the book of James, James writes this. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wow. But straight after the story of Elijah, James is encouraging us that he realized, did you realize that if you turn someone back from their situation and from their uh, being, being led astray, that you actually save a soul and you cover a multitude of sins, then in fact what you're doing is you're, you're finding life, you're giving life to people. And this is exactly what happened to Elijah. His whole praying again had... Yes, had something to do with the produce of the land, but had more to do with the produce of the soul. And he found what happened as a result of, of, of um, this happening, people's faith or his whole experience, that people's faith was being healed and restored and fruit was beginning to emerge. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Your circumstances in some ways might appear to be far, far greater and harder than everyone else's. But God is provider. God hasn't left you in the drought. God hasn't forgotten you in the drought. Every day is your opportunity to return to him, have faith in him, find peace in him, come out of the drought of joy and peace and allow him to work this in your heart. Can you do it? No, it's a drought. It's a drought. The drought might stay for, for longer. I don't know. But can he do it? Yes. He can do it. He can find that you may be in a still a physical drought, but the state of your soul is water flowing over. Come to him. Don't let the circumstances rob you and to relocate yourself. Come to him and ask him, to refresh your soul, to restore your faith, to mend and heal this faith, because this is your victory. This is your victory. So then what happens is this, and I'm not, I'm not going to go much longer this morning, um, and we'll continue the story next week. 
But what happens is this. <laughs> There's a really interesting story uh, where God uses a simple man, Obadiah, who had a heart for God's people and God's prophets. And we're not going to read Obadiah's story, but it's another story we could read. How Obadiah's faith was tested and kind of falls in from about verse 2 to about verse 15 or so, where God is using Obadiah to make the connection between Ahab and Elijah. He didn't need to. This is what's fascinating about God again. God did not need to use Abadiah to do this. But God chose to use Abadiah. Again, God will go to extraordinary lengths. He'll go to whatever is necessary to restore and heal the faith of his people. And what happens is this. If you look at uh, eventually Abadiah, uh, Ab long story short, um, Abadiah tells Ahab, Elijah's out there, go. And Elijah and Ahab goes, and here we have this climatic moment where, where Ahab and, and Elijah come head to head. It's like a, one of those movies, a superhero movie, where the villain and the hero come head to head, and you think, what's going to happen? You know, it's been brewing for some time, it's been brewing for years, and now they find themselves face to face. What is going to happen? Who's going to win? A little bit like David and Goliath. Here we go, face to face. But this is a little bit different because Ahab has been after Elijah. And so they come face to face. What's going to happen? King versus prophet, if you like. A voice of shame, voice of truth. What's going to happen? He says this, and I'll just finish with these two, these, these three verses. Verse 17, verse chapter 18, verse 17. And then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? <laughs> Is that you, O troubler of Israel? Some people suggest that the word troubler is like a reference to when you stir up pain. You know, when someone's stirring up your pain and you think, oh man, leave me alone. Like it's stirring it up. It's, it's like resurfacing the pain. And he's saying oh, oh, to, to Elijah, is that you, O troubler of Israel? What does Elijah say? Yeah, that's me. It's me. Yeah, you're right. You got me. I thought after three years, you know, my beard, I'd be a, bit, a little bit less easy to recognise. But you, you, yep, you got me a bit like, find, can you find Wally, you know, in the picture? You got me. No. Elijah, by this stage of his faith in life, he's not troubled as much as, he's not troubled by what he's saying to him. And he turns around and says in verse 18, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your fathers have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed after Baals. Their Baals are, are basically the, the foreign gods, the gods of the non-Jewish nations, the gods that, that other people uh, followed and believed in that wasn't the God of truth. He goes, I haven't troubled Israel. Listen, I haven't troubled Israel. You have troubled Israel because you have left God's commands and you have forsaken them. And to make it even worse, you began to worship gods that aren't even gods. You've left the truth for a lie. Boy, how many times has that happened in churches today? People leave the truth for lies. 
People get up and leave because they want something that tickles their ears. They want something that comforts their souls, something that is reassuring for their sin. He goes, I haven't troubled Israel. You have troubled Israel. You've done something really, really bad and bad for them that you have left God's commands and you've gone and sought other gods. In fact, you're destroying their souls and I'm here by the grace of God to restore their souls. You see, listen, beloved. Listen carefully. Truth does not stir up trouble. It's sin and unbelief that stirs up trouble. Do you understand that? It's not truth that stirs up trouble. It's sin and unbelief that stirs up trouble. Truth may reveal the trouble and reveal the pain, but it's not the cause of it. Sin and unbelief are the cause of pain and trouble. I'm talking about self-inflicted ones. They're the cause of trouble. And so, so, so God is saying, hey, this is a voice of truth. Come, come and be restored. Have your faith restored. And I'll finish with this. And he says here, verse 19, now therefore, listen, this is where we start to get a sniff, a hint, an insight that what God is doing is going to extraordinary lengths to win the love of his people again. And he's going to go through this incredible battle that we'll look at next week, this incredible battle because his heart is for his people, just like Jesus on the cross went through extraordinary lengths because his heart was for the people. And it says this in verse 19. Now, therefore, this is what he says to Ahab. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel and 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Wow. Now, it's simple. Elijah could have said to Ahab, go get all your prophets of Baal and meet me on Mount Carmel. Could have said that. God would have done the same thing. God would have shown himself victorious, which we'll see next week. But the first people he says to Ahab is this, go and gather all Israel. Gather the people, gather the people that you are robbing life from. Gather the people that you are ripping the soul out of. Gather them first. You, you know, the one who is, if you like, the, 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 the destroyer of life. Go gather them. And then grab also the prophets of Baal. Because God's heart for the restoration of his people. And he wanted his people to see this glorious work that their faith is strengthened, not dissimilar to the widow and her son. He knew his people were in a drought, not a physical drought. Yes, it was a physical drought, but here they were in a drought of belief, in a drought of joy, in a drought of fellowship, uh, in a drought of peace, in a drought of contentment. Here they were. And God was ready now to restore. And he works at great lengths to do this. And I pray this morning, and we'll just stop there this morning. And next week, we'll look at what happened and how God did it. But I pray this morning that what you take away is an understanding that God will always go with all his authority to all lengths to win your heart, to win your soul.
and to win your love and to heal your faith. Will you trust him this morning? Will you leave the place you've located yourself and come back and find that rest in him, abide in him? Whether you need to confess your sin and find repentance in him, whether you need to confess your state of unbelief, whether you need to come humbly and ask the Lord's mercy and grace to help you and strengthen you in your believing, that you would cry out in the state of your heart, knowing, knowing that God wants to do a great work, knowing that the God of all circumstances is working deliberately at all lengths to heal and restore your faith. Now, for sure, how extraordinary. His love that knows no end. How extraordinary. Thank God for for what he's doing. And I pray this morning, this is what you come to a place of understanding and knowing as you return who you are back to the one who made you. Let me pray for us this morning. Let me pray and ask the Lord's blessing on his word as you come to a place of faith and healing and restoration in him. Father, I thank you for your people this morning who, hear, who are hearing your word. Lord, I don't care about denomination. I don't care about which Bible they read. I don't care, Lord God, about what great things they've done in life and how much they even know their Bible. But Father, what I do care is where their faith is at. And Father, I pray this morning for those who are in pain spiritually, the people who are struggling to stay motivated, the people who are looking around them at this drought and considering and finding it hard to see where you fit in everything. That this morning, Father, they return to you, that they look to you, that they cry out to you, and they find rest in you. Father, I pray this morning that you restore the faith of people, that you refresh and heal the faith of people. Show them your great love, Lord. Make known to them your incredible love in all circumstances that may find rest in you. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon the week ahead of us. Keep us safe, protect us and guard us from all sickness and illnesses, Lord, that are going on around us. And continue for us, Lord God, to be a voice of truth and a voice of hope in this difficult time. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.